Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Today I'm going to be speaking about open doors. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at the uh, Acts chapter 16. So just encourage you to follow along in your Bible, your iPad or your tablet, your phone, however you want to follow along. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. There is nothing like it. The book of Acts is absolutely just amazing at how the church was born and came out of your resurrection. And then now you commissioned others to go and tell. Then you sent them and gave them the Holy Spirit at the beginning of chapter one there. They've received the Holy Spirit and then into chapter two. Come at Pentecost, Holy Spirit and changed everything. And Just today as we open up your word and as we look at what is going on, Father, I pray that we just understand and Lord, we thank you for your word and I just pray that you will speak to us today through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have started a new Bible study this week, as I mentioned, in the book of Titus. Paul spent his ministry, and you can read in in Acts about his conversion and how he was actually against the church and opposed to the church and the work of God that he actually gets converted and becomes the, the chief, the, the spear tip of the gospel going forth. And he spent his, his ministry preaching, planting churches, raising up leaders, and having many, he calls them sons in the faith. And so Titus is one of those, as we look at that on Tuesdays, Titus is one of his sons in the faith. Well, today we're looking at another one of his sons in the faith. And we're going to look at one of his spiritual sons, Timothy. And at the end of chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had gone out. They were on a missionary journey. They had gone. This is now recorded as their second missionary journey. And they had a disagreement over taking along John Mark. And Paul and Barnabas have a a disagreement. And they choose to part ways. John Mark earlier had abandoned them. And Paul didn't necessarily want him along. He thought maybe he would abandon them again. But Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the encourager Barnabas, says, no, I'll take him on. And it says, but they parted ways. So Paul takes Silas and Barnabas takes John Mark to Cyprus. And so they continued on. Paul was impressed enough with this young man called Timothy to see him join their missionary team. This shows God's provision because John Mark had just left and Barnabas had just left Paul. And David Guzik says, No single worker in God's kingdom is irreplaceable. When a Barnabas leaves, for whatever reason, God has a Timothy to go on with him. Timothy is a key person in both Paul's life and the early church. He helped with many issues and concerns that had begun to happen there, and he ended up taking on the church at Ephesus, and he was a key person in Paul's ministry. So beginning in verse 1, we're just going to read through a number of scriptures today, and I'm going to to just give some thoughts and pause on them. Verse 1, now Paul also came to Derbe and Lystra. Now, the last time Paul was in Lystra, they first worshipped him as a god. There was a man there, it says he was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked in his whole life. And Paul saw that he had faith, and Paul said to him, arise and walk. And it says the man got up and walked, and so they revered him as a god. And then it says 
that the Jews from that region came and stirred up the crowd and they decided that he's no, not a god. In fact, let's kill him. And they stoned Paul there. His unbelievable courage and wisdom in the face of the challenges that awaited him built a great legacy in people like Timothy. And it says, continuing in verse 1, and a disciple was there. Notice that it was a disciple. It doesn't, doesn't just say a man or a person, but a disciple. A disciple was one that was following a way or a teaching. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of. Another key, he was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. Timothy's mother, and we find out in another part of the New Testament, they're named. His mother Eunice and grandmother Lois had believed and trusted in Christ, helping to set the stage for this young man, Timothy. And I say to you, moms and grandmoms, never underestimate your walk and witness for God in the lives of your children and grandchildren. And even though his father wasn't listed as a follower of Christ, their godly influence, the influence of his mother and grandmother, had an impact on not only Timothy, but moms and grannies. Catch this. But they had an, he had an impact on all of Ephesus and the early church, capital C. Never underestimate your walk, the prayers for your children and grandchildren are important, and you don't know the impact of how far and wide that stretch will go. You know, this side of heaven may never know the scope. They had an impact in the life of Timothy. And Paul wrote of, in the Philippians and about Timothy. He says, of Timothy, I have no one like him. And when he was in prison, nearing death, getting toward the end of his life, he called for his faithful friend, Timothy to come as a last farewell. Verse 3, Paul wanted this man to leave with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, Paul had Timothy circumcised, not for the sake of his salvation, as Paul wouldn't do that, but it was so that there would be no issues in their ministry among the Jews. By Jewish law, Timothy was a Jew because he had a Jewish mother. But because he was uncircumcised, he was technically an apostate Jew. If Paul wanted to minister in the synagogue, as was his custom, he would go to the synagogues in the places that he visited first. He could not be seen to condone apostasy. Paul, at this point, had been ministering primarily to Jews, and it was when they began to reject his message and that God sent him to the Gentiles. But so he takes Timothy and circumcises him so that being that they were working with Jews and Gentiles, it was essential that they did not offend them. And so Paul does this, and it wasn't um, a requirement, but he, he did it. And so Warren Wearsby says this, quote, It is a wise spiritual leader who knows how and when to apply the principles of the Word of God, when to stand firm, and when to yield. We need to use wisdom. We need to rely on God. Verse 4, Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the ordinances for them to follow, which had been determined by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. Verse 5, So the churches were being strengthened in the faith, and were increasing 
in number daily. Something that God was just drawing and bringing people in daily. There was people being added. Their first interest, their first uh, motive that they were doing was strengthening the churches. Strong churches will increase in numbers without relying on man-made or manipulative messages. Having that, that strong leadership and that foundation. Strong churches. And we need to pray for strong churches. According to the estimate of William Barclay, their first missionary journey finished about five years before the events of this chapter. So there's a five-year span when Paul went on his first missionary journey to this one. Five-year span where he had planted those churches and they returned and started to see how they were going. And he was anxious to see how the work of God continued among the churches that he had founded. Verse 6, we begin to see a bit of a change. They're going through, visiting and strengthening these churches, seeing how things are going. But verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And I find that very, very interesting. Doesn't say, now we know that they came across challenges and people that were against them. But here they find themselves being forbidden by the Holy Spirit from speaking in these places or moving on. After strengthening churches in the region, Paul wanted to go towards the important city of Ephesus. Yet it says Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go there. Now, Asia doesn't refer to the Far East as we would know it today. It refers to the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And these cities that are listed, if you look at a, a, a map of Paul's journeys, they're in what would be modern-day Turkey, these cities. But I, I want us to take note of this, maybe if you're taking notes, but it may be worth noting that even apostles were not always clear as to God's will for their lives. The Holy Spirit for, forbade him. He's making his plan. You know, maybe if he was making his travel itinerary, he's contacted his travel agent, you know, book us in there. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there. Even the Apostle Paul didn't know what lay ahead. He prayed, he fasted, and he fully relied on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide him. And friends, that's what our lives should look like today. We need to pray, when we're, especially when we're facing decisions or things that uh, we're trying to plan for the future. We need to pray, we need to trust God, and be led by the Holy Spirit. There are times, maybe in big decisions, but even in our daily lives, where we need to spend time fasting and seeking God's will, especially if there are important decisions that lay ahead. None of us knows what tomorrow holds. But like the old adage says, we know who holds the future. And so this is just fascinating to me. The Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there. Verse 7, and after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go to Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Absolutely. So twice. They're making their plans. Like I said, I don't know what maps looked like back then. And Paul, strategically, makes sense to go this way. And now twice, the Holy Spirit has said, no, that is not the direction that you're going to go. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And so the Holy Spirit forbids him to do something that we would think of as good. In fact, the commandment of Jesus, the Great Commission, is to go and tell. 
And so he's relying on Holy Spirit to lead him, and Holy Spirit is saying no. But he was, God was directing his steps, and Paul wasn't the right person or at the right place at the right time to begin bringing the gospel to that province in the Roman Empire. There was nothing wrong with his motive to preach the, uh, the word of God in Asia. But here's the key. That wasn't God's timing. So this was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And friends, we have to trust God's timing. It matters. It's important. We have to trust his timing. And may I say that it's not easy to do. Especially if we're people that are just full steam ahead and we know what we want you know, to do or want to minister. We have to trust God's timing. And it's perfect. His timing is perfect and we have to trust it. But like I said, it is not easy to do. So no one knows exactly how the Holy Spirit said no. It may have been through a word or prophecy or by circumstances. And I find in my life that a lot of times God speaks through circumstances. For instance, I've titled this message, Open Doors. And there's times that God gives you a clear open door, you know, proceed. And other times, circumstances are, there's a closed door. And it's just not the time or the place. And sometimes we can, as Paul called it, kick against the goads. You know, we can kick against those closed doors. We can pound on them. Or we can listen and yield to God's leading. That may not be the time or the place. In fact, it could be at another time, maybe even a month from now, that that's a wide open door. But that's where we have to learn to trust and lean and rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us. But one way or another, we don't know how God told him no, but one way or another, Paul got the message. In fact, he only told him twice. Sometimes we have to get a no three times, five times. But God tells him no, and Paul gets the message. Ephesus would come later. In fact, there's a tremendous work. We have the book of Ephesians about the work there in Ephesus, but it would come later. But this wasn't God's timing. Paul did not set out to go to Troas. It was at least the third choice for him. But it was the Holy Spirit's plan to lead him there. Paul beautifully responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading, was willing to lay down his will and his plans for the direction that the Holy Spirit brings. Friends, we had a, uh, what we would call a divine detour in our lives, Sherry and I. We had set out, those of you who may not know, we had set out 10 years plus ago to go to Liberia, West Africa. We had every plan to be there for a long time. But God gave us a divine detour, and we had friends that had planted a church in Scotland that were from our area in Ohio, and we were flying back to the States from Africa, and we had to go through Brussels, Belgium. And we had contacted them and said, we're going to be that close, would you like a visit? We only planned on being in Scotland for two weeks, and we have been here for 10 years. God just gave us a divine detour. It wasn't our plans. It wasn't what we had set out. And God had redirected our steps. And we listened to his leading and his guiding. And, and he brought us here. God has brought us to this nation. Paul was guided by hindrance. So sometimes, friends, things that may be a hindrance may be actually God's leading. Sometimes God is closing a door because he's protecting you. 
The Holy Spirit often leads us much by the closing of doors as by the opening of doors. I want to tell you a quick story I had heard years ago that it stayed with me. There was a missionary that had come and spoke at the church. And they were talking about this event that they had. And they were in Africa. I don't know what part of Africa. But they were like commissioning a new church or they were commissioning a new work. And they were going and they had a flat tire. And so they had to take some time to change their flat tire. So they were already late, maybe probably an hour or more late. And they were driving for a little bit longer. And they got another flat tire. Now, most people don't have an additional spare tire. So it took them hours to, to find another tire and to get changed. And when they finally arrived to their village of the, where they were supposed to be, that whole village had been massacred and killed. And they realized in a moment that if they had been there on time, that they too would have died. And that a flat tire seems like the most inconvenience that you could have. But that was God actually saving their lives. And so we don't understand the hindrances of God. But as we trust him, he sometimes gives hindrances to protect us. David Livingston, the great Scottish missionary, wanted to go to China, but God sent him to Africa. William Carey wanted to go to Polynesia, but God sent him to India. Adoniram Judson went to India but God guided him to Burma. God guides us along the way. He guides us to just the right place and just the right time. This is where trust comes in. Not only do we have to listen and hear from God, but to take his divine detours along the way. He directs our steps if we follow his leading. And this is where we have to listen. Paul went to do this, but he had to listen on what the Holy Spirit said. It says this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, some of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We have to trust in Him with all our heart, not divided, not partially, not we'll try it God's way, but I'm going to keep doing my thing. We have to trust in His plan all the way, wholeheartedly trust in Him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Friends, we get to a point, if we're following God's leading, that it's outside of our understanding. God, I have no idea why you would ask me to do this but it's outside of our understanding. He says to Joshua at Jericho, march around this city for seven days. That defies understanding. But he did what God said in the way that God said it, and God brought the victory. So here's something that happens at Troas. Paul's in limbo. He's in dry dock, if you will, at Troas. Luke meets up with them there. And maybe this is why. Maybe why he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go into Asia. We may see another reason that God did not want him going into Bithynia. God wanted Paul and his team to go to Troas and pick up another disciple, another apostle named Luke. And because God said no to Paul twice, we have a gospel and the book of Acts written by Luke. Luke was an apostle, a firsthand account, one of the 12 disciples. And Luke was... Uh, he's the one who penned the book of Luke, and he also penned Acts. And without Luke meeting up with them, we might not have the rest of 
Acts because it starts out with Peter's ministry. The first so many chapters are about what uh, God was doing through the apostles and Peter, and it switches to what God was doing through the Gentiles and through Paul. And maybe that wouldn't have happened uh, without him meeting up with Luke. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So they're praying, fasting, waiting for God's leading. And a vision appears to him in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the the vision, we immediately sought to leave for Macedonia. Immediately. They didn't haste. They took this as this was God's direction, this was God's leading, and made haste. And notice that the, ver- the, the, the word is we, because now Luke is part of it. He had said they before this, but now it's we because he's part of their company. They concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel in that region. So God gave him clear direction. Friends, in life we pray for direction. And we trust God for direction, but then God gives clarity. He makes it clearer to us. He gives us clarity in our vision. And here, his vision is made clear in this specific region. He was invited to go to Macedonia, which was westward across the Aegean Sea. This detour moved Paul from the continent of Asia to the continent of Europe. And this was his first missionary endeavor to Europe. God's tremendous plan was beginning to unfold. Paul wanted to reach a few cities in the region. So let's look at Paul's plan was to reach a few cities in this region as he would go from city to city to try to start a work or plant a church. God wanted to give Paul a continent to win for him. Friends, God's ways are always bigger than our ways, bigger than what we think, bigger than what we plan. We deal in addition. God deals in multiplication. May we think bigger and dream bigger. Let us have faith to trust in God. Friends, he knows what he's doing. We see dimly. We see dimly at best, but God's vision is crystal clear. And he always sees the big picture. He knows what's best for us. And he sees the big picture. And those things that we think may be small, where we're just going to tell a few people about Jesus. And God says, I have a region that I'm going to unlock to you if you listen to me and obey me. Verse 11, so setting sail from Troas, we ran straight to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia. It was a Roman colony and we were spending some days in this city. And on the Sabbath, which was Paul's normal mode that he would operate in, he would go on the Sabbath and he would open up the scriptures. But it says, we went outside to the gate to the riverside, where we were thinking that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. The best help, friends, that we can ever bring anyone is the life-changing hope of Jesus Christ. Paul did not hesitate to respond to this call in his vision. God still calls people to the mission field, And though he may do it in a variety of ways or even unusual ways, this is unusual. He sees a man in a vision. God may use divine detours that on the surface look like disaster, but he is working all things together. At the time, as Paul gets this vision and he's changing his plans, he may never have known the immensity of God's purpose. God wanted the man 
that he would use to write the most of the New Testament who would listen closely to his leading. God knows what he's doing when he says no. And I've heard it said that God will answer in one of three ways. Some of you may have heard this before, but they say God will answer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and wait. And waiting can be the hardest part. But God knows what he's doing. And Paul was asking for open doors. And this is the door that God opened to him. And he did it in haste. He hurried to that place. And I'm almost finished. Verse 14. And a woman named Lydia was listening. Friends, faith, it says, comes by hearing. She was listening to what Paul said. She was a seller of purple fabrics from the city of Thyatira and a worshiper of God. Note this, the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things that were spoken of by Paul. Now, when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Paul shared the word with her through personal conversation, not preaching. Paul didn't stand up to those gathered and begin to preach. He began to converse with them. As she listened to the word, it brought her and her household to the Savior. This can be a lesson to us as we share our faith. Although a skilled speaker and preacher, Paul engaged in conversation. The fact that the Jews there in Philippi had no synagogue meant that that there were not that many Jewish men in Philippi. See, to have a synagogue in a city, you needed 10 men. So there was less than 10 men, and they had no synagogue there. Thyatira, where she was from, was a known center for the purple dye and fabric. Later, it says in Revelation, one of the churches that the angel speaks to is the church in Thyatira. Maybe this could have been where she first heard the gospel. She was from that region, so maybe she heard the gospel there. But she was a follower of Jesus and listened to what Paul said. But the key to it is that God opened her heart to receive. See, friends, sometimes we think we just have to share our faith with people. But friends, we can see sometimes what the Holy Spirit's leading when people are open. We can see when their spirit is open to what you're saying. And we can see that people's hearts are closed. And again, it's times that it's right timing. And today God may place you in someone's life and you can see that their heart is open. The door to their heart is open to receive. God opened her heart. Therefore, one of our most important elements in evangelism, when we're sharing our faith with people, is asking God through prayer for open hearts. Friends, without open hearts, there can be no true conversion. She was seeking truth and God sent Paul there. So although it says at at the beginning of most of your chapters, probably in whatever version you're reading, the Macedonian call, this passage is known as the Macedonian call, So although in the vision, it's this call, this this man, and it's one man, one man in the vision, not a group of people, not a multitude, but one man is calling and Paul leaves everything immediately to go. And here it turns out that it's a woman and he begins to share the scriptures with her, not through preaching, but through conversation. And she believes and her, her and her household are baptized So friends, as we're looking in the few weeks to come, as as it opens back up for us, and we're praying for open doors, as we begin to have and resume our services in person, 
We must continue to pray for open doors and open hearts. So if you would say to me, what can we pray? What can we pray in our prayer time? Friends, I'm asking you, pray for open doors and open hearts in Nungate, in Haddington, in East Lothian, for open hearts and open doors. God has called us to Haddington and he's opened a door for us in Nungate. So friends, in closing today, we've probably of all had, I'm sure you could share your stories with us, times that you've had detours and diversions, even divine detours in your life where you had your plans full set. Maybe you had your career path laid out and you had a divine detour and God's like, no, I want you doing this. I want you to just go ahead and share your faith with this person on the bus and you're scratching your head, you know, and then as you begin to open your mouth, you could see that it's a divine connection, a divine detour that God set up and and placed you there. Friends, may we trust God, the direction that he has for our lives. And may we trust his perfect timing. Timing matters. And it's perfect. He's perfectly in time. And I just encourage you today, my encouragement to you is to trust his timing and his leading. And I don't know what you are facing today and what decisions lay ahead. But we can pray. We can fast. We can continue to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. Praying for open doors and friends praying for closed doors and praying that God just directs us the right way at the right time to the right people. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.